Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunnygo One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about anime episodes 168 through 170, which will be covering manga chapters 255 through 259. And we are now in Enel's survival game, which is now fully underway as chaos ensues on the upper yard, while the Straw Hats also get caught up in the mess while looking for the gold. So, yeah, the synopsis. Enel has now unleashed his army called the Shinpei on the island and created a survival game, declaring that only five survivors will be left after three hours. The island, now a complete battlefield for Enel's army and the Shandians, as well as the Straw Hats, they again get separated, this time due to a giant snake attack, and now left to their own varying directional prowesses, they all run into various Shandians and priests that they now must face to find the gold and survive the game. So, the differences section. There are actually not that many differences here, as most of these chapters are pretty faithfully adapted. I think one of the biggest things is, again, they're, they're adding in a little bit more context and, and extending a few scenes. So, there is the big one at the very beginning where the, the search party group, consisting of Luffy, Zoro, Robin, and Chopper, there is an added scene where Chopper actually notices the giant snake and thinks it's a huge tree root and that entire sequence is left out of the manga and it actually just kind of cuts to luffy noticing the、uh, snake and so all that stuff with chopper is included in anime which is actually really funny and i i like that inclusion and then a lot of things a lot of the bigger differences are mostly just scenes here and there that are shifted around for pacing issues i think but some Some of it doesn't make much sense. Like, for example, the Wiper and Gumfall flashback for some reason is inserted during this giant snake attack. Like, I don't understand why it couldn't have waited until they finished the whole snake attack sequence and then showed the flashback like it does in the manga. The, I don't know, something about the Skypea and like Toei, they, I guess, think that we, it can't keep our attention and so they, has, they have to keep like bouncing between scenes. And instead of letting a moment like just completely finish, and you see this throughout the entire rest of the arc,、um, particularly as we get further and further when there's more and more different storylines and more and more characters get split up, you see this like weird bouncing around in the middle of, of sequences, and it's really annoying. And so, I, yeah, I don't really understand why that keeps happening. And then again, there are a few of the NL scenes that are also rearranged as well, but these, again, I mean, these ones aren't as big or consequential to the story, so I'm not really going to list all of them. But then finally, at the very end of this、um, sequence of three episodes, we see a few more moments before Sanji gets electrocuted by NL. So in the manga, it just cuts to Sanji already having been taken down and electrocuted, as opposed to the. Anime where we see Sanji trying to attack and kick Enel, but then he's electrocuted. And so, again, this is another instance of them extending a scene to sort of give it more context, in which I do like this, but I don't like how they've rearranged scenes for no reason. But yeah, that's about it in terms of changes or differences. With that, let's jump into my thoughts on the episodes. So, we begin, begin these episodes with the search party crew of Zoro, Luffy, Chopper, and Robin all going out in search for the gold. And I love how <laughs> Chopper's like cute confidence shows up here. And he's now, now that he's surrounded by all these strong members of the crew, but he also wants to appear brave like the others. And this is kind of like a ongoing sort of character arc for Chopper throughout this entire、um, arc of him sort of. 
always needing to be saved by others. And so he wants to sort of become a proper brave crew member. And yeah, it's it's kind of it's fun to see him sort of grow through this. And we'll see more of this in the next few episodes. The next scene is just absolutely hilarious. Their discussion about which direction and how they came to those conclusions is just funny as hell. Zoro and Luffy especially with their known terrible directional prowess ever since all the way back in Syrup Village is not only well on display but it seems like it's gotten worse. Both of them trying to lecture each other on which way is the right way but Zoro wanting to go right since the treasure is in the right eye well, Luffy, Luffy says they need to go west, even though he's heading east. And then you see in the back, like Robin and Chopper sort of having a conversation while Robin tells Chopper, go tell them both that they actually need to be going south. And both of them are just going in the completely wrong direction. And they don't even they don't even have a sense of where to go. It's pretty funny. And then this hilarious scene continues as Chopper begins to notice this huge tree root moving in the background decides not to get freaked out by it to appear brave but then later on luffy mentions it and chopper is like right I, did you notice that too and he's like and it turns out it's a m- massive snake and they all get attacked by it which you know resulting in chaos ensuing and they all get split up because they're trying to avoid this giant snake and end up going in their respective bad directions with robin really the only one who ends up knowing which way to actually go once the attack is over <laughs> And it's just, I, yeah, I love how they milk the whole, none of them can really get the directions right. That 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 well of comedy just never seems to get old for some reason. Back on the Going Merry, Gonfall goes over a brief history of Skypiea with how Enel came and overthrew him as God. And then he also recalls the peace talks with the Shandians and we get a flashback. And I think the two interesting pieces of info here is that Gunfall doesn't know what gold is. Like, he just doesn't know what the concept of gold is. And so to to the Skypeans, gold, I guess, is just worthless to them. And so that's probably why no one's ever gone out and sort of searched for this gold and why it's still somewhere on the, uh, on the island. And also that Isa was born with Mantra and could even sense it as a baby, which is very interesting because it seems like Mantra is supposed to be something that's trained and developed as far as the way the priests talk about it but it seems like Isa has just sort of naturally developed it or has an innate ability to control mantra and sense it which will be interesting to explore later on but with that we see NL declaring a survival game where only five people are left to be standing at the end of three hours out of the 81 people currently in the upper yard fighting and Oda, again, he, he does a pretty good job of upping the stakes with now a ticking time clock as well as a sort of ominous foreshadowing of how many people will be left alive, which is interesting because, you know, NL obviously only says five, but there are seven crew members, including, you know, you want Gunfall and Pierre to still also be standing, so you got to at least want nine. And so, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, towards the end of this arc to see who's actually left standing. And then it cuts to the Shandians, which we all find are all now caught on Shuda's string ordeal and left frozen in place just like Gunfall was. However, Wiper comes out of nowhere and sacrificing his own shoulder to get close enough to attack Shura with with not an impact dial, but something even stronger 
called a reject dial, which according to Wiper does 10 times the damage of an impact dial, but it comes at the cost of shredding the insides of the user and just obliterates Shura. And this is a pretty brutal attack. I mean, Wiper just like jumps on Shura, gets stabbed in the shoulder by by the javelin of Shura. And then even, even that, he just doesn't even care. He just throws away his bazooka and shield and just launches this reject dial attack on Shura's chest. And it completely obliterates his insides, it looks like, and just takes out Shura in one hit. Although one thing, though, is like it says that it, it really harms the user and it seems to like chip away at the user's life. But I don't know. I, like Wiper seems to look okay for the most part. Like he's holding his arm, but it's like it still moves and he's able to carry that huge bazooka later on. So I don't really know what the actual consequence of using the reject dial is. Like they make it a big deal, but it seems like it doesn't really affect him that much. However, one thing about this scene and pretty much every scene up till now that stands out to me is just how intense Wiper is. He's literally willing to do anything to beat NL and get the upper yard back for the Shandians. I remember at the time when I first read this, I had no idea what to make of Wiper. And I kind of mentioned this in the last episode because he's clearly not a villain, but he's also an antagonist to the Strong Hats. And, and he's also really unlikable. I don't know if that's just me, but... You know, I, I just don't know. At this point in the story, I remember thinking to myself, what does Oda actually have in store for Wiper? Like, I just didn't quite know if he was maybe going to change his heart and, like, fight alongside the Straw Hats, at least begrudgingly to, to take out Enel or whatnot. But, yeah, I was not very clear on, like, what the purpose of the Shandians were going to be at this point in the story, other than kind of just to be there to sort of fill out the history of the Upper Yard and Skypiea. And then in the next scene, after having seen Wiper take out Shura with the reject dial, we catch up with the getaway crew as Gumfall teaches Nami, Usopp, and Sanji, and by extension us, the audience, about the impact dials. And these things are pretty cool as they not only deal a huge amount of damage, but one thing that you never really noticed is that they have the ability to absorb the shock from attacks, so they can be used defensively as well. And he then goes on to explain that there is a rarer, more powerful version of this called the Reject Dial, which does 10 times the amount of damage, just like Wiper and the Shandians say, but it does a lot of damage back to the user as it emits such a huge impact that whoever uses it gets like a recoil damage. And yeah, it just obviously it just sort of intensifies Wiper's actions from before, making him seem like a kind of a crazy, intense soldier. It's also here that Gunfall gives the Straw Hats and, again, us, the audience, a simple explanation of the basis of mantra and explains it as how every living person has a certain voice that some people have and they have that ability to hear these voices. This actually kind of reminded me a little of Zoro's fight with Mr. One where at the end of that fight he, he starts to listen for the rhythm of Mr. One and that's how he's eventually able to cut through his steel body. And I wondered at the time if this may be referring to similar things, but just used in different ways. And yeah, of course, we don't really know yet, but we'll find out a little bit more later on down the line in the story about whether this actually did have a connection. From here, upon hearing Shura's defeat, it's at this time NL decides to unleash his army called the Shimpei, who are these robed soldiers that look like humanoid goats. 
and they actually say meh every time they talk, which is pretty funny. Along with their commander, Yama, who is appropriately named as Yama in Japanese is mountain. And this guy is not only the size of a mountain, but actually looks like a mountain. Like his entire body is this awkward triangular shape. It's pretty funny, but also really kind of stupid looking at the same time. And with the insertion of NL Shinpei army, it becomes an all out brawl between the Straw Hats, Shandians, the Shinpei, and the priests as they all get scattered into chaos. And we start seeing various pairings of, of fighters as we go on further into the arc. And now we get to one of the more memorable scenes of the entire Skypea arc. We get the famous Luffy singing the Baka song scene. This is one of the more famous moments, like I said, from this arc. And, it, and it's a real fan favorite memory for a lot of people because of how endearing and ridiculously funny the lyrics are. Not to mention the fact that he's just kind of casually strolling around in an active war zone singing all happily. It's, this, it's just a funny image. Not to mention Tanaka Mayumi's singing is amazing here. However, before Luffy can finish the song, he gets interrupted by Wiper right off the bat. And we see that Luffy has run into Wiper to set up their duel, which is pretty interesting that they've or- they're already running into each other, considering that, I don't know, for me, I feel like Luffy obviously is way stronger than Wiper. I mean, even though he lost to him earlier at the very beginning, we all know Luffy can probably beat Wiper. So it'll be interesting to see how this duel actually ends up playing out. However, before we move on, we actually do know the remaining lyrics of that song because if you notice that Luffy was about to sing a third verse before Wiper cut him off, and in an SBS uh, Q&A session from volume 33, Oda actually answers a fan question about what would, what would have been the remaining um, verses for this song, and they go as such as this and, and I'm get, I'm going to sing this but it's going to be really bad uh, it's something like higashi no shima wa asahae genki mori moriya wa baka something like that and then nishi no shima wa yoru ose kurada uki uki aho baka and then, yeah, it just goes on to Ah, Akubi, Deta, Minna, Noko, Noko, Aho, Maka, something like that. That was really bad singing. Not nearly as good as Tanaku Mayumi, but, anyways, that re- translates to mm, Eastern islands are early in the morning, makes you get all hyper and dumb. Western islands are late at night, makes your body all crazy and dumb. Ah, ah, ah. That was a yawn. Everybody's feeling all smiley and dumb. But anyways, aside from my embarrassing, terribly singing, or terrible singing, um, getting back to the duel, unfortunately, we don't quite get to see this duel yet. Aside from a couple test shots from Wiper, which Luffy just promptly deflects back with Gomgona Balloon. But it'll be interesting to see Luffy get a rematch with Wiper, with Luffy now more used to fighting up in the high altitudes, and Luffy, like I said, Luffy shouldn't have too much trouble against Wiper. At least that's my op- opinion. We have seen that Wiper is not afraid to go all suicidal to get a win in a fight, so he could still give Luffy a good run for his money. However, instead of Luffy versus Wiper, we actually catch up with Zoro as he wanders through the forest and happens upon one of the Shandian warriors, Braham. And we get this brief but fun fight between the two where Zoro is paired off for the first time against a ranged fighter as Braham 
uses these light pistols that, unlike its name, they still shoot metal bullets, but the muzzle flash blinds the enemy, likely enhanced by like a flash dial on the gun itself. This is a very brief but really fun fight as this is a showcase and growth moment for Zoro in terms of combat as he needs to first learn the ins and outs of sky combat with the use of waivers and dials, but more importantly, Zoro develops a new tack to help him combat foes who are adept at range fighting. Where Zoro can't really get in for close quarters combat as a swordsman, he needs to be up close to be able to slash them. So it's here we learn that he's been sort of trying to learn a new technique to help him fight ranged fighters. This fight's actually pretty comedic for a Zoro fight as most of his fights are usually really intense and serious. I mean the last funny comedic fight that I can think of was him versus Mr. Five and Miss Valentine all the way back in Whiskey Peak. If you can even really call that a fight. And... My personal favorite moment is when he tries to bluff his way into victory by putting on his goggles after he's been struggling so hard dealing with the flashing guns. <laughs> he's, 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 he stands out of behind the tree saying he's assured victory now that he's nullified the blinding effects of the gun. <laughs> then Braham immediately calls him out saying, those don't look like sunglasses. And Zoro just immediately panics and she's like, I've been found out. And this is such an idiotic moment for Zoro that I can't help but laugh at how like how silly Zoro is because, again, he's always usually pretty s- serious when it comes to his combat. And so it's fun to see him just kind of <laughs> acting like an idiot for once like the other members. And like I mentioned earlier, not only is this a fight to showcase Zoro's adapting to sky combat, but also him developing this new technique to deal with ranged combat. And he comes up with this new flying slashing move. And so he unleashes a new move called the 36-pound hole or 36-pound phoenix, which sees him slashing the air and presumably he cuts it so hard that the air itself is what's slashing the target. At least that's how I've always interpreted this move. And this move is pretty awesome, but I wish they actually animated this move. And what I mean by this is even in the anime, all you see is Zoro readying the move, but it just cuts to the same still shot in the manga and you never actually see him swing or slash. And you don't actually see the slash flying. It's just sort of already there. And later on, as we go through the series, we see better depictions of this move. But for the first time, I wish they would have put a little more effort into animating it. Because it is one of Zoro's cooler moves. And it becomes kind of a staple of his going forward. And just as an FYI, particularly, there's there's an instance of this move in the seventh movie um, where he uses this. And it actually looks pretty freaking awesome. And some fan facts about this move is that like all Zoro move names, it has a double meaning, but this time it's not food related. So the word ho in the 36 pound ho or sanjuro pondo ho, the ho means phoenix in Japanese, but it also means cannon. So when he refers to Braham that he's got a cannon pointed at him, this is also a reference to the fact that the move acts like Zoro firing a projectile or cannon at his target. And this is also the only... The second time we've ever seen Zoro use an Itoryu move or a one-sword style technique behind the Shish Sonson that he used against Mr. One. So it's kind of cool to actually see an Itoryu move. You know, it's funny though. I don't think we've actually, at this point, we've seen him use a Nitoryu move, a dual-wield move or a two-sword style. So we've gotten a lot of Santoryu and Itoryu, but not a Nitoryu, which is interesting. I, at least I think so. I can't, or maybe me misremembering. But with that, Zoro defeats Braham and moves on, probably to get lost even further. (laughs) 
In the next scene, we see Chopper all alone, sad that he's been completely separated from the others, but has made it to the right place. And unfortunately, he's completely oblivious to the fact that he has just walked right past another priest. This time, it's Gedutz of the Swamp Ordeal. And seriously, Chopper can't seem to catch a break when it comes to danger because it just seeks him out. He's now faced or has to face down two priests. The episode then ends on a crazy cliffhanger as NL shows his face aboard the Mary and swiftly takes out Sanji, all to just come great gunfall. And who knows what his actual plans are, but they are in a serious bind now with Nami, Usopp, and then an injured gunfall staring down God NL. And yeah, that brings these three episodes to a close. But before we end this podcast, we have a couple new theme songs. And we actually get a new opening and new ending theme on the same episodes. So first off, the new opening theme, Bon Voyage, performed by Bon Bon Blanco, is a very tropical-themed song that's super upbeat and fun. But I will say it's so far my least favorite of the four opening themes. But that's not to say that I don't like it. I actually do really like this song. And I don't think if it's a bad song or anything. I think for me, it's just missing that sort of cool adventurous tone that the other three seem to have. Like, they're all really happy songs. But I feel like the first three, We Are, Believe, and Hikarie all have sort of this sort of adventurous tone. Whereas this is just straight up happy-go-lucky, like tropical fun. One thing you'll notice (laughs) from the last opening theme is they avoid dropping any major spoilers this time, unlike Hikarie. But overall, I really like the animation that accompanies this theme as we get our first time of the, the, uh, that sequence of the crew appearing one by one that will go on to be a recurring element in future opening themes. And now that we have a decent sized crew, it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of cool to see them all come together one by one. And I also really like this, the sequence of them flashing through each member's traumatic pasts. And we even get to see a small bit of Robins, even though we haven't yet to actually see her um, past in the anime series or in the manga at this point. But I love how it goes from their sad past to the crew together and smiling, synced together with the lyrics of leaving behind the past and remaining smiling, I think is a great touch. And this is also the first theme to be narrated by Luffy at the beginning instead of Roger, which I don't really have any significance, I don't, but I just thought it was interesting. And another thing to point out is that around the 1 minute 36 second mark, uh, you can see Usopp fishing up a Panda Man stuffed doll off the back of the boat. So another Panda Man sighting there. But yeah, it all ends with the um, color spread from chapter 201, but it's redrawn slightly to include Robin now sitting next to Nami. The other kind of cool thing about this is that the chapter that this um, color spread debuted in, 201, is called Nico Robin. And it kind of has come full circle to actually include her in the color spread that was introduced in the chapter titled after her. So, I, yeah, I think it's a really cool sort of roundabout way of, com- you know, coming full circle. And I don't even think that was intentional. At least it didn't. It seems like it shouldn't be. Like, that's just way too much foreshadowing. And then moving on to the new ending theme. It's titled A to Z, performed by ZZ, which is now the 11th ending theme. And I believe this is the first time we get the debut of both a new opening and ending theme in the same episode, apart from obviously We Are in Memories, which debuted in the same episode since they started it all off. But anyways, A to Z is an alright ending theme. The song is fine and has a nice tune, but the biggest problem is the song 
is really boring mo- for the most part, and especially towards the end. It just repeats, come back to your friends, like seven times over and over and over for each crew member as they appear on screen, and it just sounds so dumb. And yeah, I do like the animation that accompanies it, as it also keeps with the theme of exploring each character's past, but this time reflecting on each member's moment of setting out on their journey. But beyond that, this ending theme is pretty forgettable for me, and I often skip it, and I don't really even re-listen to it, you know, on like my iPhone or iPod or whatnot. And so, yeah, A to Z, it's an alright song, but not really one of my favorites. But yeah, with that, we'll bring this episode to a close. And yeah, things are starting to build up as many of the big players are making their moves, with especially Luffy and Wiper clashing, Chopper having to now face Giratsu, and most of all, Enel making his way down to the upper yard and threatening the crew of the Mary. So things are getting pretty crazy. But yeah, we'll see you on the next podcast. But yeah, if you enjoyed this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast for updates and pictures. Um, No spoilers this week. I don't really have too much to actually talk about. So, so yeah, that will conclude this episode. I'll see you on the next one. Bye. <laughs>